Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you on this Trinity Sunday. We pray that you might reveal yourself to us, Lord. Help us to understand uh, you, Lord God, in a deeper way, in a more real way, in a way that leads us to a deeper relationship with you. And we pray that you would place your words in my mouth that I might faithfully proclaim them to your people, Lord. And we pray that you would do something awesome among us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. It's so good to see you all. My daughter, Clara, loves to pick flowers, right? And she's got kind of an eye for it. So these little vases with flowers appear around our house. And aren't they pretty? Yeah, it's, I, I love flowers, right? They kind of just make me happy. Don't they make you happy? They're beautiful. They just remind you of new life and spring and warmth, beauty. Flowers seem so simple, too, don't they? They're deceptively simple. But is a flower simple when it comes down to it? Can somebody describe flowers to me, like the parts of the flower? Or maybe it's chemical makeup. There you go, right? And how do you differentiate one from the other then? Color, shade, size, smell, and some don't smell, taste, ooh, that would not so be good, um, feel, like thorns, yeah, it gets complicated, doesn't it? This little simple flower that we like and that makes us happy, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye, isn't there? Right, try and describe a snapdragon, for instance, to someone who's blind or who's never seen one before. How do you describe the color of it, the shape, like the, the way it works when you squeeze the side of it and it bites things, right? How do you do that? It's such a complicated process. And in life, really, some things that seem so simple are really complicated. In our psalm, King David discusses the majesty of God and how the creation and his care for us point to the existence and transcendence of God. And we see that in things that seemingly are so simple. They point us to a God who is so beautiful and complex. In our psalm for today, we are presented with the statement, That when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses, what is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man that you should seek him out? David is saying that the beauty and complexity of the heavens remind him how awesome God is and how small humankind is in relation to him. Right when you look up on a clear night and you see the stars, It seems so beautiful in one sense and so simple. I mean, they're just there sparkling in the heavens. But then you start looking at them deeper and all the patterns, the the distance they are from us, what they're made of, how they glow, how there's different types of stars. It becomes so complicated. And it shows us how little we are in comparison, doesn't it? It kind of shrinks everything down. It's kind of like one of those scenes in a movie where the camera like pans out and goes... You feel like that inside, realizing how beautiful and complex this universe is that our Lord has made. We see beauty and complexity everywhere, and it points us to a God who is both beautiful 
and complex as well. And we are reminded of that reality, the beauty and complexity reality, particularly on a day like Trinity Sunday. Right? Does anyone know what Trinity Sunday is? Today. Good answer. God in three. It's the day we celebrate God in three persons, right? We celebrate the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They set out a day in, like this in our liturgical year so that we focus on it for at least one day, right? So that we kind of muddle through this process. But really, Trinity Sunday, for most of us, is a day of abject failure. Right? Because we try to explain the Trinity, and how well do we succeed? Not very well, right? It's a day when ministers around the world are trying to explain the Trinity in one simple image. Be a seminarian, that's right. Yeah, you usually give it to a seminarian, that's right. I should have given it to my deacons, that would have been a good... But you know what? Trying to explain the Trinity in one simple image is destined to fail. Why is that? Anyone know? Too complex, that's right. How can a God of beauty and complexity be described by any simple image without us slipping into some heresy or half-truth? Right? It's impossible. Try to use any image and all of them fall short because nothing compares to the glory of God. Nothing at all. Let me read you, therefore, an excerpt from the Creed of St. Athanasius. You all have read this, right? It's a shame, unfortunately, that we don't read this more often because we are a church that is a church of three creeds. Anyone name the other two? Nicene Nicene and the Apostles. That's right. And then with the Athanasian Creed, they give us the shape of our faith. And is it surprising that the Athanasian Creed is all about the Trinity? And what is one of the concepts we understand the least? The Trinity, right? And how often do they read the Athanasian Creed? Almost never. Right? Is this, do you see a correlation here? But today we'll be, instead of the Nicene Creed, we'll be reading the Athanasian Creed. So be prepared to stumble through it with me. All right, so here he goes. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. You following so far? Okay. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. That's easy, isn't it? All right, now, here's the hard chant. Here's the hard thing. Now, can you give me one image that will sum that up? No, it's impossible, right? Like I said, there is so much to the Trinity, and that's only like four lines out of this creed. There is so much to God that we can't just shrink it down to one little thing or dilute it to one little image. No, it defies it. God defies that. It all comes down to this line in the creed. And also there are not three incomprehensibles, not three uncreated, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. What word in there do you think I'm trying to fish out? Incomprehensible. That's right. What does incomprehensible meaning mean? Can't comprehend it, can't fully understand it. Does it mean it's ununderstandable? No, I think there's a difference there, right? Because God can be understood, but not necessarily fully understood in all of his God, in his, all his divinity. Right? He he defines it because our minds are limited. 
unfortunately, some of us, like myself, much more limited than you, right? And we can't figure that all out. You can't fit everything into a little space. And so we will always, at every point, find ourselves falling short of having a complete understanding of God. And doesn't it make sense that God would be incomprehensible? Right? That he would be complex, very, very complex. Because what do we see in the world? Beauty and complexity in everything, in the flowers, the stars, our lives. Beauty and complexity. And don't you think that would reflect on a God who is both beautiful and complex, infinitely more so than, we, than what we see in this world? Wouldn't creation hint at the surpassing beauty and complexity of our God? Yeah, it certainly would. Now, since God is incomprehensible, should we just give up trying to figure out the Trinity? I mean, it's a task that's destined to failure, right, since he is incomprehensible. Um, So, who votes we give up? Nobody? Oh, man, you were going to get me off easy if you all voted for that. We could just stop here. That's right. Learn something. Cass, that is a great point. We're going to learn something new every day. Let's look at David's example from the psalm. In response to the wonder of God's creation and the majesty of God, David steps back and looks at how God relates to us. He looks at how God relates to humankind. He says, who are we that God would even think of us? If we serve a God who's infinitely complex, infinitely beautiful, Why is he even interested in us? And yet God is infinitely interested in us, more than even David could imagine at the time. Right? Because in this post-New Testament era that we live in, how have we seen God relate to us? Personal. That's transforming people's lives. What else have we seen? Who uh, walked on a hill with a cross on his shoulder? Jesus, exactly. Jesus, and who is Jesus? Son of God. He is God, right? The second person of the Trinity. God stepped down into our world, took on our flesh. And not only took on our flesh, but then walked up that hill with that cross on his shoulder and took our sin upon himself and died. Why? For our sins. And so that what could happen? So that we could be saved, so that we could be reconciled to him. God did this for us. Not only was God concerned about us, but he did something about it. Something that had never been heard, heard of before. And it is that beautiful, complex God who took on our flesh that we worship here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now I love my beautiful, simple flowers. I love that they just make me smile. But when I realize how complex they are, should I just give up flowers because they're complex? Because they're hard to explain? Should I just kind of force, like, swear them off and say, ah, flowers, never again. I will never bother with your stamen and pestles. No, what, what could I do? Enjoy them, right, and learn something new about them. Study them. Study their beauty. And I don't mean be a botanist, right? I don't need to be a botanist to enjoy flowers, do I? No, but the more I learn about flowers, the more I enjoy them. 
the more I see how much there is to that beautiful, simple-appearing flower. There's so much complexity there. And that makes me love them more because they're so much deeper than I ever thought. The same thing with God. I want to observe God. I want to continually be watching what he's doing in this world, how he's changing and transforming lives, how he is continuing to reveal himself, how he has revealed himself in scripture. I want to learn more about that. I want to learn what people like Athanasius say about him too, so that I can have a deeper understanding of who he is, because he's worth studying about. He's worth knowing. He's worth learning more about. I want to live a life of study of God. And that doesn't mean I need to be a theologian. It just means I want to know about the person who I'm in love with. Let's let's know this God. Let's know this God who has taken on our flesh. And let's worship him in the fullness of the Trinity. And let's not get bogged down by all the details if it gets too overwhelming. Let's never forget that this is a God who wants us to be in relationship with him. And let us always seek to trust him, to love him, and to cast our cares upon him, realizing that this is a God who has given up everything for us so that we could be reconciled to him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who took on flesh that you have revealed yourself in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that through faith in him we can be reconciled to you. Then help us, Lord God, to be students, to be observers of you, to be constantly learning about how we can come into deeper relationship with you and share that hope with others. Lord God, and help us to enjoy you. Help us to enjoy your beauty and your complexity. And may we worship you as David did in this psalm. Lord, may we live lives of worship, lives of faithfulness, and lives of grace as you continually reveal yourself to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.